0: Hey guys, this is Sydney Taylor from Metal from the Inside, and you are listening to Jay Scott
1: on the Hook Rock Podcast. Could have been anyone, but you know I wound up
2: here. Dispossessing flesh, not to disappear, but that's alright.
0: What a great tune, what a great band, The Age of Truth. We got Kevin McNamara, lead singer, coming up here shortly. I'd like to welcome you all into another episode of the Hook Rocks podcast, part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. You can check out all of the Hook Rocks podcasts on any podcast platform. Please follow us wherever you do podcasts. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, write us a review Check out all of my friends that are on the podcast, or Pantheon Podcast family, Cobras and Fire, Mistress Carrie, Martin Popoff, Shout Out Loudcast, Vinnie Apice, and Carmen Apice on the Hanging Bangin' Podcast. What's going on, people? How are, how are you all doing today? More and more shows are uh, getting canceled. I uh, Man, this is... This is being this is terrible. Mammoth WVH just canceled their next two shows. I think one of them was in Montana. I forget where the other one was, but um, man, this is getting out of control again, and we're going backwards. And until people start believing in science again, this is uh, this is not going away, and it's just going to get worse. And our kids are going to be back to e-learning, and we're going to be under stay-at-home orders, uh, the way things are trending is not good. It's really not. And I don't know, you know, I believe that those who have been vaccinated should have more protections, and those that have made that choice to not get vaccinated have to live with what rules and regulations are put in place for them. You know, if you can't get into a restaurant without proof of vaccine or a venue, that's – What's going to have to happen? Um, it's sad that we've had to come to this. Most people who are not wanting the vaccine have had other medical ailments that they've gone to the doctor and allowed the doctor to treat them. They've they've taken prescription medicine. They've had cancer. They've gone to the doctor. They've allowed science to help them. And I don't know why this has become an issue. I don't. It's not a political issue please don't make this a left and right issue. This is a humanity issue. This is like looking out for your fellow man, looking out for one another. You're not going, you know, the the chances of you having severe side effects are slim. There's always risks with vaccine, but there's a greater risk with what can happen with COVID if it keeps going and keeps going. But I, I regress. I digress I should say Let's talk some rock and roll Let's talk some positive things Let's be an escape But please start thinking twice about your decision If you have not been vaccinated You're not going to have a microchip in your body Your body is not going to be like a human magnet These are all silly things So if you've allowed science to treat you Your children before with ailments It's time to do it again Once again, this episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Say it with us. Blue Chew. Blue Chew is making waves and bringing more confidence to the bedroom by offering chewable tablets that can help men get stronger and longer lasting erections. Let's have a good time, baby. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in a chewable form, and a fraction of the cost. Cha-ching. Blue Chew's tablets help men achieve harder, stronger erections to combat all forms of ED, erectile dysfunction. It's probably the most important thing in any relationship. Blue Chew is an online prescription service, so no visits to the doctor, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. And it ships right to your door in a discreet Package. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online. BlueChew's licensed medical providers work with you to find the right ingredient and strength for your prescription. Don't like swallowing pills? No problems here. Blue Chew's Sildenafil and Tadalafil tablets are chewable. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA, America, and they prepare and ship direct. So it's cheaper than a pharmacy. So if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And here's a special deal for the Hook Rocks Podcast listener. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code Milk Shake at checkout, just paying $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com, promo code Milk Shake to receive your first month free. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring the Hook Rocks Podcast. Let's get to it, people like to bring in my next guest from Philadelphia. I typically always refer to as the the uh, city that was part of the first Chicago Blackhawks Stanley Cup championship on the losing (laughs) end, on the losing end. And uh, they've always had. Cool jerseys for their hockey team, but always they've been overrated for about 20 years, is my opinion.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree.
0: <laughs> I'd like to bring in from the age of truth, Kevin McNamara. What's going on, man? How are you?
1: What's up, brother? Uh, I'm doing good. You know, I'm sipping a little bird dog whiskey. There you go. I did a, uh, field study. IPA, and uh, I'm looking forward to this, man.
0: <laughs> Sounds like you're having a night, you know? You got a Philly cheesesteak going on there? Actually, you know what? I did. Well, let me ask you this, I did, right? I
1: did a dim steak.
0: Everybody Girl. talks about the two major, you know, the two most well-known Philly cheesesteak places, and that's, is it Pat's? and Pat's and, and, yeah. What's the other one across the street? Jim's. Okay. What is the best place to go for a Philly cheesesteak?
1: You want my honest opinion? Yeah. There's a place in Newtown Square, which is like, I call that Upper Delaware County. Okay, that's the people that have money. Um, There's a place up there called the Ale House. It's a dive, it's a great bar, but they got a freaking killer cheesesteak dude. And you know, it uh, always comes with fried onions, sweet and hot on the side, and Jewish pickle. Okay. Sliced up killer. Have and you... it's you know, it's affordable and it's probably the best cheesesteak out there, in my opinion anyway.
0: Cause I was out there several years ago with my son who I think was It'd be six or seven at the time. We did a baseball tour, historic areas and baseball. We went, we started in Detroit and then we went down to Pittsburgh and then we went to Philly and then the way back, we hit Cleveland. And I love Pittsburgh, man. Yeah. Pittsburgh's got a great stadium. Um, and, and, uh, we ate at Oh, I, we ate at Pat's and then like about a year ago, I was out there on a business trip and I ate at the place across the street. Um, but then like everyone's told me, well, those aren't the two best places; those are the two most well known because of Rocky. Yeah, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, like there's places all over Philly that have great cheesesteaks, but you know, they're the both. They're they're obviously the two best known places, but you know, it's whatever you want. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it's Philly. It's us against everybody else.
0: <laughs> well, hey, man, you know, I know the Phillies are struggling. The Pirates are in the basement, but the Cubs are yeah. approaching the Pirates in the basement, and yeah. uh, the Sixers... You did- know
1: what, man? I've always been a fan of Blackhawks.
0: Love the Blackhawks. I know
1: I'm probably going to catch shit from my Philly people, but I was always a Blackhawks fan.
0: I mean, what's there not to like, man?
1: You I know? know. I know. It's Honest, it's honest.
0: Freaking hockey, it's great. I mean, it's, got, it's the best logo in all sports.
1: Mhm,
0: mhm, absolutely. Yeah. Well, hey man, thank you very much for doing this. I appreciate you coming on. We always start the same way, even though we're four minutes into it already. But we always <laughs> ask the same first question every time we have a first-time guest, and that is the essence of the show, the meaning behind the show which is just like every great rock song has a hook, every rock fan has a moment, whether it's a song, an album, a band, or a performance that hooked them on rock and roll. What was it for you?
1: I mean, the go-to I know with most people is the first Black Sabbath album. I heard that when I was 12, and I just went like, oh my God. This is scary as shit. It's beautiful. But I will say this. What truly locked me into rock and roll, and it's going to sound really weird, is yes.
0: Really? When
1: I, when I heard yes, I went, I totally don't understand what this is. It's not 4-4. Four, four. And I heard a singer singing in Contralto, and I went, this makes no sense. And then I started reading his lyrics. It's almost like, uh, it's like stream of consciousness lyrics with John Anderson. And I just, I read his lyrics and I went, Oh my God, brilliant. So why can't you take that heavy? And that, you know, I don't want to say it's a prog rock mentality. Which, you know, age of truth, we are a pretty much straight up hard rock band. But, yes, for me, I know a lot of people are going to go, what the hell? But that was the band for me that I went. I fucking love rock and roll.
0: Plain and simple. Where did it go from there for you? I mean, you mentioned Sabbath, yes. Judas Priest. Judas Priest. My next
1: band was Judas Priest. Stained Class, right after that. And I heard Stained Class, and I went like, oh my God, what the hell's this? When I heard Stained Class album, I I lost it. I'm like, this is so fucking metal. And then I found Scorpions. Right after that, like you know, here I am rocking not that one, uh blackout album. I went backwards and I found this guy, you like John yeah, Ross. And I went, Oh my god, these guys are brilliant. And I, you know, Tokyo tapes and you know, for a live album I heard that and I was like, I'm a cat. and then I found Rainbow and you know it was it was over i was like oh my god <laughs> what the hell is this and obviously deep purple was always in there and i'm weird that way like i like joe jackson his first re- uh release look sharp is a great freaking kind of punkish reggae album and elvis Costello, man and the police bands like that specials like I- i'm all over the place but for me my jump off point was really yes. That was like Sabbath and yes, I went. Imagine combining that and trying to find a happy path. And Elder did it great.
0: (laughs) You know? Well, what was it or when was it that you took all those bands you just mentioned and you wanted to be in a band?
1: Well, I was playing with guys that were in their 20s when i first learned i could sing and uh i was i think 16 or 17 and we started playing bars you know we're doing cover songs we're doing iron Maiden. uh by the way paul dianio was my guy you know that was my iron Maiden. um <clears throat> And we were doing Judas Priest and back then when I was just coming into puberty <laughs> uh I could still hit those high notes. And it just grew from there and then it was a band called Asylum. We folded after like two years. And then I discovered I wanted to try my hand at actually, you know, doing original music. And I met this guy John Daly. And we made a band. Uh, and it was great. We got a record deal, act actually, after 14 years of playing together. We knew each other, and we were heavy as balls. And then the uh, Warner Brothers got a hold of us, turned us into a bunch of simp's, And I quit playing music for a long, long time. I just quit. I was done. I took up... Uh, some kung fu which occupied my time and uh and then uh you know the age of truth happened (laughs) many years later and i was like oh shit i love this so yeah that was it for me
0: how did the age of truth begin i mean where was i mean you were kind of wandering around and then all of a sudden you're (laughs) in this band
1: (laughs) oh let me take a sip of beer All right, so the original drummer, God bless him, um, he he inboxed me one day and he's like, yo, check this out. It's pretty cool. And I heard it. I was like, oh, oh my gosh, this is great. And I showed up on a Sunday, brought a six-pack beer, we hung out. You know, it was cool. And we got done and I walked away. I went. We got to get rid of the drummer. He's he's not he's not made for this type of music. He's a great drummer. He's a great drummer. I take nothing away from him, but he was not made for this band. And I kept saying in my head, I went, Scott Fazetto is the freaking drummer for this band. And how do I make that happen? And that was within a two-year period. And uh, finally, it came to a head, and I went, let me make a call, see if the guy responds. He's been very dodgy lately. And uh, he hit me back, and he went, all right, I'm in. And I went, "Uh, okay. And Scott's got like a photogenic mind. Like, he can remember a song immediately. And he learned the whole Threshold album within three days, and we did a record release, and boom, here we are.
0: As far as putting it together and collaborating and you know, moving forward as a band, right? I mean, that's where you want to be, where you want to go. What is that process like for you guys?
1: Well, I'm 53, so... Nothing pisses me off. You know what I mean? Music-wise. I mean, honestly, like, I don't I don't have butthurt anymore. Like, I record songs for other people, and they're like, sing it this way. I'm like, cool, okay. Back in my youth, I would have been like, no way, man. Uh, now, with the knowledge of, I guess, age and being grateful for where I'm at, Um, moving forward, I would say, I really look forward to maybe making like a really good, uh, half acoustic album with the band and the process of doing Resolute was so freaking horrible for me. It was, it really was. It wasn't like my favorite point in time. Uh, I had somebody pass away that was close to me you know, I was a mother of my daughters um, I was going through a separation with her unfortunately and uh, it was a dark period in time and I really 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 tried to concentrate on lyrics and I found myself a lot of nights going just like this is all bullshit man I don't believe in anything and you know At the end of the day, you just, you lay something down on paper and just go, I hope somebody gets it. You know, that's the truth
0: of it. When you think of where you're at with Threshold and then moving forward with Resolute, how do you think the band has evolved?
1: (laughs) Well, I think Scott definitely opts in with, uh, hey, let's try this. (laughs) <laughs> which I love. Um, Scott is a very adventurous drummer. You know, like he's very smart. He's very skilled in his grip And I think with Threshold, we were kind of trying to do a little cock swagger, you know, and be heavy and check this out. I think if We were to do a third album, which God willing we do, I think it's going to be something a lot different. Um, Threshold, like I said, it was a painful thing for me to do, to even put down the words, like The Promise of Nothing. That was a hard thing. And, you know, most of the lyrics might go over people's heads, but for me, that was like, that was me basically sitting in a room going this sucks this sucks a lot and you know people go like well it's cool that you got it off your chest but you don't get it off your chest you know what I mean there's no chest it's just words and uh I think if I had to say and or have a compass point I would say I'm looking forward to the next stuff because we're already
0: working on it. When you talk about writing, right? And you're, you're talking about how painful it was to put lyrics to the music on the album threshold. You move forward with resolute. Where do you find your inspiration? Is it from personal experience? Is it from observation, a combination of both, or is it a story that you want to tell?
1: Well, Like, uh, Shalom, which, you know, I wanted to do a radio edit on the song and make it like a a three-and-a-half-minute song, but we didn't have time. So it wound up being like a seven- or eight-minute song. For Shalom, I was like, I want to tell like a tale of John the Baptist. I don't know why. It was just something that popped up in my head, and I was like, I don't have to be factual. I'm going to mix it in with everything and just kind of paint, you know, and, uh, like "Pulse the Rain. "Pulse the Rain was written three and a half years ago. Lyrically too. Um, I, I think that lyrically, I don't know, man. I don't, I want everybody to draw their own conclusion to a song. Like that's how I always loved it about Sabbath a band like that, I would be like, what's this song about? And then you read the lyrics and you're like, oh my God, I had no idea they were saying that. And that always makes a song fun to me. So yeah, as far as, I don't know if I'm on the point here, but I think that everyone should draw their own conclusion to what a song is actually about.
0: But for you, though, right, because I've interviewed a lot of artists who write music, who write songs, and they tap into an experience or they tap into an observation and, you know, they got to relive that experience. But once that song is done and once that song is released, it's no longer theirs. It's up to the audience to interpret it. When you are writing, though, and you are tapping into difficult, happy, angry situations, what is that process like for you? Is it, is, it, is it easy for you to feel a subject, to feel a, a past situation and write about it?
1: Hmm. Um,
0: like Promise of Nothing, that was
1: obviously a tough song to write because <clears throat> what I did and what happened, and what occurred after the fact, um, yeah, that was dark. I mean that was a dark I mean that was that song there was just me going like you know, let's warm our hands on distrust. I mean it was it was horrible. It was you know, it was like everyone in my family gunning for me at that point, not talking to me. I mean, it was dark. it was was a bad period and you know whatever I might have brought it on me but those lyrics were absolutely 100% me explaining what I was going through in that period and it wasn't pretty it was horrible but I think that sometimes you write a song like holding hands Uh, Off the threshold, I think you've read a song. Sometimes it just comes to you, and you're just like, Holy shit! All right, and your hands move and you're going, Okay, 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 all right, all right, yes, yes. And then it's done, and you go, Oh my god, that's beautiful! Yeah, so
0: does that explain that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you're when you're writing this album, you have to ha- you have to hear the song in your head. You know, when you finish the album, do you feel like it is what you heard? No. <laughs> never. How how do you I, how do you reconcile that? I I
1: I I can't. I never do. I I'm I'm that guy. I've been that guy my whole life. I'm never happy with what I did ever, ever. Um, and how do I reconcile, uh, I guess, uh, live shows, you know, like I try and pay the people back. Like, I'm sorry in my head, I'm sorry. I didn't do a good enough vocal take. Here I
0: am live for you. Is that weird? Yeah. No, I mean I understand it. I mean it's your process.
1: Yeah, I guess it's I yeah, I guess it's process. It's always been me, but like at the end of the day, I love Resolute. I do. I love it. I love Threshold too, and I can't wait to do a third album. And you know, just I hate to say this, I wasn't present like I normally was because it was such a dark time and I hope that the third album I get to be a little bit more present uh, with me and you know like the boys like they could tell they could feel it too man it was it was dark it was a bad time in my life but uh, you know I mean, at the end of the day, fucking rock and roll, you know?
0: Do you feel like you're always chasing something? I mean, it sounds like that, you know, for me, like you you can't wait to work on the next thing when you're done with the present thing. Ah, Dude, I'm
1: I'm ADHD, so yes, I'm constantly chasing. Um, But again, I found the perfect three guys that are like, okay, Cap, let's, let's fence you in, get you on a leaf, tie you down, do a song. And then it happens, and I'm like, oh, shit, okay, you did that. All right, it works. Um, but yeah, I'm always chasing. I mean, it's my nature, you know?
0: It's interesting how, you know, you talk about your process and what, you know, what's important to you and where you're going with everything. When you're writing this album, well, first, well, first let me ask you this. When was this album written?
1: Recorded? Written and recorded. <laughs> God, uh, we started writing these songs three and I'm going to say almost three and a half years Three and a half years ago. So, Palace of Rain, like, that was the first one where we are like, okay, ah, oh, cool. All right, we'll write a song about the desert and freaking rain fighting. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and then, uh, you know, it just kind of, like, horsewhip happened. That was kind of like a mic going, little, there little, 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 down. And I was like, "Ooh, I got I might have something for that." And it was totally different lyrics, but you know, whatever. But the line in that lyric where I go, "If you ask me how my life has been so far, it's just like holding a baby inside a burning car." That was me at that point. I mean, that was it was totally you know, off the cuff I wrote it, it happened um but I think that like Scotty being in here Scotty's such a badass drummer that and he's got such great ideas like really I can't give enough props to Scotty, I can't give enough props to Bill and Mike they're freaking brilliant musicians but having Scotty step in I was like i played with Scotty before I just know how he thinks, And Scotty was like, he was right there, man. He was like, yo, I sent this vocal. I'm like,
0: okay. Yeah. When you're writing an album during a pandemic and all the crap that was happening last year, did that affect your music? Did you guys rewrite anything? Did you guys write a song or write music during that time?
1: Actually, I changed the lyrics to uh, I Won, which is like the the slow one with the Anyway, uh, I wrote the lyrics united, divided, don't get excited. It'll all wash out in the end. Strictly for the division that's going on in this country, man. I'm freaked out by it. To this day, I'm like, what the hell happened to us yeah we
0: we're,
1: we're all here for each other we're not here to for a political party we're here for us and and like to me that's very important and i want a lot of people to know that i don't care what thing you're about you know i love you and you know let's just be good to each other
0: When you think of where the band is headed, especially after this album and, you know, what's going on and how young bands or or new emerging bands struggle. I mean, I just interviewed D. Snyder a couple of, you know, like last week when he talked about the struggle that bands go through. And, you know, as you guys are releasing this album and, and riding the wave of newness, you know, for the new music. Where what are right. your plans to get this out to play and and you know do a tour or play some live gigs?
1: Oddly enough, um my mentality has been <laughs> I'm now self employed, by the way. <laughs> so I have that freedom where I'm like, Yeah, you guys want to go on the road? Okay, cool. Um Now, I'm kind of like, wherever you guys want to play, I'll play. Obviously, we have kids. We have responsibilities. But if anybody was willing to put up money to throw us out on tour, I will
0: hop right in there. I'm in. I'm in. Do you guys have people working for you to get that accomplished?
1: We have Bill,
0: <laughs> Bill,
1: Bill Miller. He, we, well, you know, we have other people that are we're talking to right now, you know. But in all honesty, nothing is for free. And uh, you know, Bill just told us we paid off the album today, which was really cool to hear. So we're even on that end. Like you paid studio off, you paid pressers off, the whole deal. Now, everything we make is kind of more or less for us. And, you know, I mean, the reality is merchandise is everything.
0: For sure. In and, and playing out live helps you sell that merchandise. Correct.
1: Correct. And again, I'm 53. I'm a plumber by trade. And I can make my own schedule. So if I could go out for two or three months, I would do it. I'm not playing every night. I would do it like every other night. Because I've done it. It's brutal. It's grueling. I've played seven nights a week. You know, playing for Warner Brothers. It sucked. Um, and you know you didn't give the crowd a real show. You half-assed it. Half-assed it. But
0: I would definitely go on the road
1: absolutely.
0: <laughs> I'm ready. Hi, because Ireland. In, in my opinion, this album that you guys just put out—it's too damn good for it to just to sit on the shelf. This needs to be played for people. This needs to be played in clubs. I
1: agree. I mean, it's I a f-
0: fantastic album.
1: Well, all right, I'll put this out maybe Ripple will, will hear it. Hey. We're ready. <laughs> I'll I'll go out three months. I don't give a shit. You know? I'm down. I'll, I'll I'll tell any label out there. You want the age of truth? We'll tour. We'll figure it out.
0: Are you guys just playing out locally right now out in Philadelphia?
1: Yeah. Yeah, we uh, got the record release coming up at Bar 13, which is a really cool bar, And we got... uh, We got J.J., uh, J.B. Mattson's new band, Bloodshot. uh, Vessel of Light, I believe, is releasing their album that night. And then... Babylon Shake is on on the bill as well, but yeah, I mean, you know, we're doing New England, we're doing Boston too. We're do, yeah, we're doing a couple shows, but yeah, I mean, we're always look. I'm ready to live out of out of the suitcase. I'm ready. <laughs> I did it. I loved
0: it. You know, because the response from people that I know. Who've listened to the album are just awed by it, right? I mean, this is really I mean, I mean you, you guys are sitting that on that blows my mind. That you guys are sitting on, you guys are sitting on a damn good album. And I'm just saying, man, you know it ain't screamer prevent. Well, I mean, <laughs> you know, very few I mean albums ever really you know reach that height, right? But this is a damn good album. I mean, out of all the th- albums that we talk about on the show and we discuss after at the end of each quarter, you know, this is something that I anticipate will be at the top of our list and many of the lists that I read off. Really? Yeah, absolutely, really? man.
1: Man, that's wild. I mean, dude, you're talking to a plumber. You know what I mean? <laughs> I get but, it. I mean, I appreciate that. But. Like, in my mind, I'm like, yeah, I would love to tour. I, I mean, I was built for that. That's, that's been my whole thing in life was the to tour. I did it for three and a half years. It was awesome. I toured with Alice Cooper. You know, Death Zone, you name it. Um, I would love to see this band on the road. Because, you know, night after night, you just get tighter and tighter and tighter. You know? And I would love that. <laughs> that would be beautiful.
0: Yeah, and there's a synergy that develops between all you guys? Sure, sure, sure. You know, and and, and again, um, I would never, ever
1: roll out touring. You know, and I, Bill talks about it a lot. And I'm always like, I'm in. With the other guys, you know, and, and and that's a truthful, you know, at our age, that is a very truthful thing to say. Like, dudes have jobs, they got commitments, you know. But me personally, hell yeah, dude, I'd be out there in a heartbeat. I'd be out there in a heartbeat.
0: Because you guys got to give yourselves more credit. I mean, this is a. This is this is a year of great music, right? right? Everyone held back their albums. Everybody was writing stuff, you know, recording music in a bubble because they had to escape from what the reality was of 2020. And here we right. are, in 2021, and everybody is releasing gold, right? Everyone's swinging for yeah. the fences.
1: You know what? There's so many freaking dude, Bone Church. Holy shit.
0: Bone Church.
1: So good. Bone Church. Yeah.
0: I got to check them out. I haven't heard that.
1: Oh, dude. Oh. oh, yeah. Yeah. There's so much good stuff out there right now.
0: But what, you know, what I was saying though is is that this album's right there with everybody. I mean, this is this is a damn good album. And I'm 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 like selling you on how good your album is.
1: <laughs> you are it's fucking good, not, man. You, you understand, man? I'm a freaking, I'm a Leo, so I don't, and I'm the good side of Leo. I don't get it. I, I appreciate, and I love that. But like for me, I'm always like, uh, could have done better, buddy. Could have done better.
0: Well, that's, you know? net, that's normal not for an artist thing. to feel that way, right? Well, it's a silly thing,
1: you know. Ah, you did okay. You just, you kind of could have done this better,
0: you know? That's <laughs> horrible. Isn't that uh Mickey and, and Rocky, telling Rocky, you know. He's alright.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's kinda like that. It's more like a Bill Burke thing. Yeah. Yeah, I identify as a Bostonian myself. I'm not a Bostonian, but I always loved Boston. Boston was my town. Um we played there a long time ago, and uh, I fell in love with that town. It was they, the people were just they were my pe- they were my type of people. I was like, ah, oh, okay, you don't like, I don't like you either. Oh, good, okay, you're a good guy. What's the, what's in the name? Oh, All right, that's that's how I think I am, and I am built. Um, I question everything. You know, it's we have a thing around our way in, in Pennsylvania. It's called Delco, and uh, I've wanted to lose the Delco thing for so long that it's almost become like a a necklace you wear on your neck. You know what I mean? It's it's like I just I don't want to be here anymore. But I love Delco. Don't get me wrong. But I'm ready to get out. I want to go on tour. You know anybody?
0: <laughs> I might. You know, I mean, I, I could. You know, I could always talk to some people. But cause, well, I mean, my name around. But I'm. I'm just <laughs> telling you. I mean, like when we talk offline, like I was telling you before we started the, the interview. You I mean, there's a group of us that are always talking about new albums and new music and your album is always brought up. It's always talked about like how good it is and really? Yeah, really? yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm dude, it's That's not awesome. just me. It's, it's, it's a lot That's of awesome. people. Right. And, and you know, we hear everything, right? I mean, I hear everything I, I like to think I do. I mean, there might be some stuff that I miss here and there, but I, I, I pretty much listen to everything. Or I try to, and dude, I mean, this is such a fantastic album. I got I to gotta stop selling you on it, dude. You made this no, album. No, no, no,
1: no, 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 no. Don't get me wrong. I love it. I, I love this album, and I love what we did. You know, when I look at the album, I go like, I can't believe this CD has, like, an inner gate and all that stuff. Like, that's Bill, dude. Bill is the magic of this band. And a lot of people need to give props to Bill Miller because he is just, he's a mastermind. I, you know, and, and the rest of the band, all of us for writing this album. Don't get me wrong. Um, Yeah, I'm all over the place. But it's an album that was hard for me. I mean, it was really hard for me to go like... But then, like, once we got past that point, of all right, we got these songs, we're going to do them. You know, Bill brought in freaking Shane Gardner, man, and Shane Gardner, God bless him, he ran with it, and he just took the whole thing and just made it a piece of art. And, and you know, he don't get any props, and he should, because he did a hell
0: of a job on this album because you guys got like a blue collar vibe, or, you know, an in your face blue collar vibe that I think resonates with a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. I
1: mean, I
0: mean, you know, I mean, you guys aren't you know, you know, the pretty band wearing the glitter no. and wearing all that stuff. I mean, you guys are, you know. We're not pretty. You, you're playing for the for for the people, right? I mean, you're playing for you know, the people with the, you know, the 9 to 5 jobs, the, you know, the 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 trade jobs and stuff like that. I mean, I've seen some of your stuff, you know, live and everything. And dude, I mean, you got a you've you've got an audience for what you do.
1: Dude, you need to go to the Merlin Stoned and Doom Fest. You should come down for the weekend. It's freaking amazing. It's such a badass Are
0: you guys playing it?
1: Yeah, we're playing Thursday night. When is it? <clears throat> um, I forget when the hell it is. It's on our web page. Alright. But you should come down, man. It look, if you need a place to stay, you got us. We always get the same hotel room. But I'll tell you, JB Manson does a freaking amazing job. He gets everybody, every cool band out. Man, he's had Conan. Eff- I mean everybody down there. Um it's an it's an awesome job. But what I was trying to say was it's all blue collar. It's just it's just dudes who want to hear heavy riffs. And then trippy shit.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's, you know, it's beautiful. I mean, that's what it's all about. You know, we you don't need to be lied to or bullshitted to. You want to hear good riffs, good vocalists, the whole deal. You know, just give me a goddamn good, freaking heavy song. With a singer that doesn't sound like he's choking on, you know, cigarette butts.
0: Cookie Monster.
1: Yeah. Well, I don't. You know, whatever. I was I'm I was cool I was
0: inter- I was interviewing Carmen a piece about a month ago, and we were talking about heavy metal, new new you know the new wave of heavy metal. And he's like, "Every guy sounds like Cookie Monster." You know, it's like <laughs> I'm okay with that though. I gotta hear some. You know, I gotta. Like, I gotta hear some melody in the voice, though. You know what I mean?
1: Well, but yeah. I mean, dude, I grew up with. You know, like I said, yes, Elvis Costello, Black Sabbath. So there's going to be a melody, I thought. But I, I think melody is just—you're not overthinking. It's just singing. You're not trying to push a message. And then once you find that melody, if you want to push a message, you can. But melody is everything. It's what moves the world, you know?
0: Absolutely, man. You got to connect with the song. And like you said, man, you know, that heavy metal, that style, it has an audience. People love that stuff to each their own. Um, but for me, I got to hear the lyrics. I got to hear what they're singing about. I got to connect to the song. And, yeah. you know, I, I can't do it if I can't understand what they're saying.
1: You know what's weird? Probably like five or six years back, I got into Ghost.
0: I love that band.
1: Dude, when I heard that first album, even the second album, it, I'm not going to lie, the third album. I went this is the coolest uh, display of deceivery ever played on someone and his melodies were so freaking sweet I was like what's he singing about and I started reading the lyrics I'm like I'm in I'm in the antichrist world um it was so good, but it instantly made me think of, like, Bluish to Colt. Bands like that, like, where you're like, what the hell is he saying? And that's exactly why I like Ghost. They reminded me of uh Bluish Colt, who I love.
0: They've also got some scorpions in them, too, if you, if you listen, yeah. you know? Yes. Yeah. I saw them open up for Maiden yeah. probably about four years ago. And Really? Yeah. It was a good it was you know, Maiden's last album, Book of Souls, and they were the opening act and they came on and they have like these people in the audience dressed up like the deacon, right? <laughs> and, and and they and, and these fans they don't move during the whole show. They just stand still and they don't okay. move. And it's so eerie, but it's so fucking cool, right? I mean, it's,
1: fucking, it's dude, that's poetic. It's like beautiful. Yeah, I, mean, I love that. Totally. See, you know? I'm, I'm a fan of Genesis, so when I see that, I'm like, I get this. I get it. I get what you're doing. It's art, you know. And I'm a big fan of that, man.
0: I <laughs> I remember um, I remember a guy standing in the grandstand. And he's in the front row, and he's just standing there during the whole set. Didn't move, didn't move his arms, didn't move anything. He just stood there. And I, I took my son, who I think was like 12 years old at the time, and because uh, he, he like ghosts a lot. And I'm like, that is so cool, man. I'm like, I don't get it. I don't understand what they're doing, but that is cool.
1: That is cool. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's what music is. I don't get what they're doing. But I like it. Yeah. Totally. You know? Like Mm -hmm. at that other side of the bridge where you're like, what is that? I like that. I don't know what it is. I gotta I I gotta go over there and physically touch it and explore it.
0: Well I I like bands yeah, I like bands that are like ghosts that are you know, striving to be different, right? Because you can get sucked up in that, you know, everyone's doing the same thing kind of thing. And it's refreshing, especially because I come from the era of, you know, when I was growing up, I mean, I I grew up in the eighties. So, you know, I mean, you had Kiss, you had Motley Crue, you had Alice Cooper, you had, you know, Metallica, Priest, they all had an identity, right? Right. Right. And and it's cool to see a band do something like that.
1: I love it. I, look, I know a lot of fans are like behemoths. I'm like, okay, yeah, they're cool. You know, it's, it's all about making the audience go, holy shit. Listen, for the record, at Maryland, uh, and Stoner Fest, I'm dressing up like Peter Gabriel from, uh, what the hell is the album? Genesis. Uh, I forget the album.
0: Well, you're talking, anyway. Yeah, you talking about uh,
1: yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm wearing a red dress and a fox head.
0: <laughs> That's interesting.
1: Yeah, because it's, you know, it's going to be halloween
0: so. Well, Ke- <laughs> Kevin, man, we could go on all night and talk about dude, music.
1: I'll tell you what, man. I'm the worst guy to interview, No oh, man, I'm, I'm glad that, you know, I got you, man. You're a good dude, Jay.
0: Well, I appreciate that, man, you know, and I'm glad you came on. I'm glad I learned more about you, and I'm just looking for, forward to you guys getting on the road. And I just looked on your website. I don't see anything in Maryland, so you got to email me the dates and everything. I will. I will. Yeah, man, because that would be totally cool. I mean, like I said, man, you guys, this album speaks for itself. And anyone listening who hasn't heard it yet, who's just listening to the show, just popping in, go listen to The Age of Truth. And the album Resolute is just absolutely fantastic. I appreciate it, brother. All right, Kevin, man. Thank you very much for doing this. All right, brother. People. All right. Okay. Yeah, everyone be safe. I'm Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Stay strong. Stay safe. Stay healthy. We will talk again soon. Thank you.